Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges, and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Ed here. Welcome to Digital Voices, you know, the intersection of digital transformation and leadership, and more importantly, life. So you kind of get all three mixed here in our power pack 30 minutes. And this drop will be no different with my friend, Dr. Ashish Broad. Ashish, welcome to Digital Voices. Ed, uh, thank you so much. So happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah, uh, we love our clinicians. That's where the rubber meets the road. And we've had a lot of nurses as well. So I'm really actually quite proud of it. It's because, you know, it's it's the really the melding of all that we're doing and, and trying to to promote. And so, uh, Ashish, you and I met virtually for the first time. I mean, that's how we met. Our first time was all virtual. We actually never met each other in person, although we lived pretty close to each other in Dallas-Fort Worth for a long time. That's right. No, this yeah. is our first time. But no, I, but I've talked to you many times. So it's really great to, to put, um, I won't say a, a face to the name because I'm, I'm a fervent uh, social media follower and uh, I love seeing all your travels and all the work that you're doing and, and your thought partnership on, on digital health. But yeah, good to, good to see you uh, on a one-to-one virtual. Yeah, I know, likewise. And you've helped me on a personal matter as well. And uh, yeah, it's all been really good over the years. And, and I was so proud, you know, uh, for a wide variety of reasons, you know, you went on you, and we'll get into it a little bit and, and made some big family decisions, made some big career decisions and, and took this new role and we're going to get all into it. But that takes a lot of uh, courage. And uh, so I want to talk a lot about it. But before we get there, everyone always wants to know the first thing about our guest is songs on the playlist. Like what kind of music do you like to listen oh, to? Oh, man, I am such a music snob. Um, so I, I like to listen to stuff that not everybody knows, or, you know, I love those moments when you're like, ah, I was listening to that artist years ago and now everybody knows it. Right. I, it, I really do enjoy music quite a bit, but I would say, and I'm, I'm not going to name, uh, so many, um, of, of that, uh, genre, but I do listen to everything. I love music. Uh, I would say that right now, um, I'm listening to a 1979 song a lot by the Scat Brothers, Walk the Night. Um, it's a great, great song that I just discovered, but when it came out in 79, um, uh, I like, uh, my my niece is a, is a majoring in music at Syracuse and she was just in town and um, she's an old soul and she loves, loves 90s R&B. So that's, that's my genre. That was my age. That's why I kind of, you know, uh, coming out, if you will, of just music and learning and hip hop and everything that happened during that genre. So it's awesome because we, we just put a uh, Spotify uh, shared playlist together uh, this last weekend and uh, <laughs> it was great because I got to school and teacher new 90s R&B that she'd never heard of. And uh, we had a great time doing a jam session that way. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, of all the music recommendations that have come through, you know, as you can imagine, 170, 180 episodes, we got quite a, the eclectic mix. So we're going to have digital voices playlist at I love some it. point. Um, what about your life message or mantra or quote? Is there some words that you sort of live your life by? Um. Great question. I think I'll give you a quote, and if you don't mind, I'll go. I'll do one more, which is kind of a more of a mantra. Yeah. What I I think the quote is Theodore Roosevelt, which is I keep my feet on the ground, my eyes on the stars, um, and I think it's really important that we do both. 
Um, there's too many people that do one or the other. And then the, the second um, mantra is actually around luck. I saw a Twitter post, if you will, um, you know, that I, that I bookmarked long ago that kind of came to mind. Um, and there's four types of luck, right? And so um, luck one is chance luck. Well, we always think about just luck, right? Just pure blind luck. Um, and I think about this a lot because I think this is, uh, we'll talk about life, you know, if you will. And I think this is going to be a recurring theme for me which is then, you know, the second luck that was in that framework, and I love frameworks, was kind of a basic level of stirring the pot, right? So if you just collide, stick things together, sometimes you magic happens, right? So you can imagine, right, is your CIO role, you just connect this stakeholder, this stakeholder, and then boom, you know, this magical, magical blending happens, and then something great comes out of it, right? So it's just kind of a stirring the pot, and we'll see what sticks and what collides in the right way to, to create those, you know, uh, special elements. And then, uh, you know, taking it a step further from that, and, and, you know, chance number three is kind of what's unique about you. And, and, and so what, kind of shows up in front of you that you recognize as an individual based on your past experiences, um, style, you know, just um, some education, whatever it might be that you recognize and say, you know, that's, that's really interesting. I'm going to double click on that. And, and most people, if they didn't have those experiences and they didn't have that kind of lens, they would, they would just let it pass by. But you, because of those unique skill sets that you have, you say there's something different about this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of push that button, and I want to see what happens, what comes out of that, and there's a luck that there's fortune that comes out of that. And chance four, I'll say, is um, you directionally move in a path that puts you into a lucky uh, intersection, if you will. So maybe that's maybe that's kind of a career move, right? So let's just give that example to say I see healthcare shifting. To digital and virtual and i'm going to put myself down that path because i think this is the future of healthcare why don't i go do that and let's see what happens and then people will look back and say man how how are you in this space you know already before as a physician whatever maybe that was because you know putting you put yourself into a path that you didn't know exactly what would come out of it but you had some inkling that um you know something magical could happen from it yeah no, I love that. I, I took uh, copious notes. Uh, that's that's really good. I'll have to find that original tweet. Yeah, and bookmark it. And um, that's really cool. Tell us a little bit about your story, uh, personal and professionally. I know you have a family. I I know you're a great person, a physician. You know, tell us a little bit about yourself. I appreciate it. This is always the hardest question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so you're like, where do I start? Um, I, I, I usually start at the beginning and I won't go to the end, I promise you. But, um, I usually start at the beginning because I think that had the biggest impact. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, I grew up in a very immigrant family, you know, right. So Indian, uh, I was born in Chicago. Parents had moved over, uh, from India two years before I was born. Um, my sister was born in India and, and so I'm a younger brother to, to her. And that's relevant because, um, my parents have very um, kind of fear. They have a very fearful attitude. Um, and again, you know, brand new country. I, I don't blame them, but they, they kind of came in, in in a very fearful attitude. And what that really translated to for my sister and I was a very, um, I, want, I don't want to call it sheltered, but um, it was just, 
you know, hey, you need to be in the house at all times kind of stuff. And so, right, you know, I still remember the 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 lights, the the Houston, it was Houston, Texas I grew up in, and it was, hey, the street lights came on, and that's like 655. Come on, you know, right. and you're like, you gotta be in the house, it's dark, you know. So um it wasn't the most positive thing to be really honest with you, Ed, because you kind of felt as a kid who's wanting to explore and be creative and, and you know, and all your friends are out and about. Um, there was a little bit of a trapped kind of feeling to it and really not being able to to do all those things. So rather than, you know, I won't make a sob story and talk about the negatives, um, but there were quite a few negatives. But what, out of the darkness, the light was just this curious to your fault because, right, you just have to explore the environment you're in within the limitations that you have. And so as a, as a kid, all I had was just the kind of what was around me in a very small square footage, if you will. Uh, and we grew up very low income. So, you know, there wasn't anything to, to have. There wasn't TVs. <laughs> it was just very like, well, you make what you can. You got to be curious and you got to, you know, out of boredom comes extreme curiosity to how can I make things that give me entertainment. So what I'm getting at is, you know, just I think to my core, I'm, I'm very curious. I'm industrious. I like to hack, you know, I like to kind of say, look, I don't have a lot of resources. How do I make gold, you know, out of these three things right. that I need to put together, like the Apollo kind of 13 thing, right? You got a tin cup and you got a paper cup and how you gonna how you going to yeah. fly to the moon with this? So I like those challenges and it's just who I am to my core. And I think that that then has translated to, you know, what kind of lens and uh, framing I bring to everything I do. And that applied to me as a, you know, becoming a doctor and I'm a pediatric gastroenterologist was, you know, if, if anybody says we just, we, this is the way we've always done it. There's something inside my brain that just says there has to be a better way. There has to be a different way. There has to be a kind of more efficient way to deliver this outcome at a better level than what we are doing. So I, just, I like to challenge norms. I like to kind of break things apart and put them back together, if you will. No, that's cool. And what I like about your story, Shish, is that uh, you, you took those very humble beginnings and you know you had this vision and you made something of yourself and making a big difference in the world. Uh, today, sometimes people just give up. And they're like, oh, like my way I was brought up. I think about that the same with my, my story and my dad's story. And you know, you can go two ways. You have a decision to make or on the along that luck continuum. You know, are you going to just put yourself out there. Or are you going to just stay hidden? And uh, you, you put yourself out there. And as a result, you've helped a great many people, that, uh, great many patients. So you're a very cool person. And that's why, wow. you know, I always felt this good connection with you and wanted to. Well, I like, I like to hear about your dad. And I love when you do post about your dad and the journeys that you've taken, you know, from his childhood perspective too. So I do want to just tell you, thanks for, thanks for telling that story and being very open and transparent about that journey. And I, and that's inspirational for, I think for all of us that follow you. Thank you. So, wow. So tell us about now, I want to talk about your current role. So tell us about Allegheny health. And then also I'm going to ask you next, or you can, you can flip them. Cause I want to hear too, you know, you were Baylor Scott and white and you made this switch. And then right when you made that switch, right within a couple months, another switch happened. So you kind of had a lot of different activity there in a short period of time. So tell us all about that, but definitely a little bit about Allegheny Health along the way. Yeah, I think I went viral, you know, for a second, <laughs> if you will. And I, and I don't say that in, a, in something about me. I just, it kind of blew up really quick. And I think it's more to speak yeah. to the industry, a little bit of luck, right? 
uh, as we've already talked about um, as well. And so, um, yeah, let me start with Allegheny Health Network, um, if, if you will. So if, if not all the listeners know about Allegheny Health Network, it's a large uh, relatively large health system, about four and a half billion annual revenue, you know, and, and 14 hospitals in the Pittsburgh region. Uh, we have a presence in Western New York uh, with a small hospital there called Westfield. Uh, we're in the Erie market. So it is kind of geography does start getting spread out a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, I have all the numbers, but, you know, 1,200 kind of um, 1,300 employed physicians, 1,200 independent physicians, you know, and 21,000 employees, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So so a good size um, health system um, in, in this region and very, very fascinating story of if, if you ever want to look it up, Google Allegheny General Hospital and Warden um, School of Business and you'll find the case study of, of Allegheny Health Network. It is not a positive case study. Uh, it's an example of what not to do. And that's not Allegheny Health Network as of today. That was back in the 90s. And so AGH, Allegheny General Hospital, was the most profitable hospital in America. Um, and I don't, that, that, it was fascinating. I didn't know anything about the story until I got here. Uh, and it went bankrupt not too long after that. And so anyway, won't go into the story, but uh, there's there's a really good warden paper that's on that you can easily access for free yeah. to read up the story. It's a really neat story of what, you know. Um, anyway, they use it at warden to, to teach business um, law. But that all being said, you know, um, so, but it is important because it was a bankrupt system. And to get, come out of that, was now two other players in the Pittsburgh region, which of course we all know the Bohemoth UPMC um, as a provider system, and we all know them now as a health plan. But if you go back in time, they didn't have the health plan, of course, and so they started getting into the insurance side. And Highmark is an insurer, the fourth largest Blue Cross Blue Shield in the country, with about seven million members today um, in all 50 states, but majority of their footprint in five states around uh, Pennsylvania, including Pennsylvania. And right, so then once UPMC started going, getting into the insurance space and provider space, and uh, there was basically a big old divorce that's very publicly known that happened many, many years ago, about a decade ago. And so there was actually, um, as I understand it, this big, um, the divorce was so strong, right? Where if you were a Highmark member, you were not gonna be able to get care at a UPMC facility. Well that poses a huge issue for 50% of Pittsburghers, right? And so, you know, Highmark reactively to some degree and proactively said, gosh, we're going to have to have our own health system. And so, you know, uh, AHN was born, right? Allegheny Health Network was born out of that to say, gosh, you know, there was a, this whole consent decree at the state level. The governor had to be involved. And um, so Allegheny Health Network was put together to be able to take care of all patients that had Highmark insurance and others. Um, but it was created in an open environment. That's important. We're not, we're not a Kaiser, if you will, nothing against that, but we're not a closed system. So, um, so all that being said, here we are, the, that, that divorce actually never materialized. The governor has stepped in last minute, you know, really probably intriguing, neat story of, of hey, this is not going to happen. So we're still living in this kind of open relationship where people can go back and forth and get the care they need, which is great for the patients. That's most important. Um, but Allegheny Health Network um, was formed a decade ago. It's actually a 10-year anniversary now. 
And um, so that's a that's a really interesting model, right? Because uh, uh, you got this Highmark Health, which is a diversified, that's just a lot of different businesses. We actually have a 10,000 FTE IT company. I didn't know if you knew that, but it's called NGEN. Yeah. And they serve IT needs to other blues around the country. And so there's this whole other for-profit company within Highmark Health that does IT, and then you have, you know, you have Dental, United Concordia, which is massive. That's owned by Highmark Health. So actually, I don't think everybody, I think everybody just thinks of Highmark as a payer, but it's actually, you right. know, quite a few businesses within that. And one of the businesses, of course, is a payer, which is Highmark Inc. And so Highmark Inc., as I've already described, and then Allegheny Health Network is another company within that. So again, we're about 50% of our claims are through Highmark Inc. or Highmark Insurance. And the other 50% are through governmental payers and commercial and what have you. So it's an interesting model. And what we're doing here and the reason I came here really um, was because we're going through, you know, it's called living health, but it's a blended model where we're not just owned by an insurer that has 50 other practices and 50 other health systems. It's really a true connection just between Allegheny Health Network and Highmark to say, what truly can we do if we're truly a blended health system, not just in name, but in function and teams are blended and revenue cycle and right. I mean, everything you're getting into the true, true, true blending. And if we do that, can we actually realize the 30% of waste that's in healthcare? Um, if we actually stop putting up our silos and our walls and our armies of fighting insurance and fighting providers and, uh, you know, utilization and appropriateness and claims and prior authorizations and claim, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going through that journey to remove 30% waste in healthcare as a blended health system. We're early, but um, I'm telling you on the ground, Ed, that's absolutely what everybody talks about. Um, every day. And so we're still living in both worlds of value and fee for service. So those are, that's a tough role to go solve that problem when you still have the realities, the economic realities um, of today. Yeah, no, that's cool. And yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to talk to you again, like in a, in a year and three years. And, and uh, I'm sure you'll knock it out of the park in terms of uh, reducing that waste. And that'll be a really good case study and, you know, a really good example for other organizations, okay. you know, cause a lot of organizations, you know, like I'm on the board of Summa Health and we at Summa Health, we have a, a health plan as well. And, and we're trying to do, accomplish the same things. And there's a lot of pay providers as they're mm-hmm. called and uh, a lot of opportunity to really reduce waste. Can we do it or can't we? So uh, there's a lot of uh, you, you're ahead of the game and especially the corporate structure uh, is very helpful. Yeah. So in your role, you're both the digital officer and the information officer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's let's let's, Tell us uh, yeah. let's 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 go deep dive there. It's interesting, right? So I I came in. So as you remember, I mean, I, we didn't talk about Baylor Scott and White days, but yeah, you know, I I did the first um, I built the first video visit inside Epic in the country uh, back in, as far as I know. Okay, so I <laughs> if somebody wants to push back on Twitter and say, hey, did you know that I did it and whatever? But as far as I know, uh, with Adobe Connect, uh, which is a terrible product, don't recommend it today. But with Adobe Connect, build a video visit within Epic because workflows matter, right? So I wanted to be building it inside the workflow so clinicians would um, really adopt it. And that's what happened. So this was about a decade ago. I built that and got into virtual health. And why did I do this, Ed? Because I'm in Texas. Go back in time. I'm in Texas. 
Um, and I'm in Central Texas in the Austin Temple region is, our, is where Children's Hospital was, is. And um, I had patients eight hours driving, driving eight hours to come see me. And guess what? They had either my Medicaid, TRICARE, or no money whatsoever, and they're a self-pay. And they had to come see me because that was the, the rule of law, right? That was how they get, I got reimbursed. We made rules and said, hey, I don't get reimbursed for virtual. I only get reimbursed for, you know, seeing you, even if I don't need a physical exam because you're coming in for a refill, um, you know, or um, you have celiac disease and you just need to see my dietitian uh, for a gluten-free diet, right? Whatever it may be, it didn't make sense to me, right? So it, it just, it, it, it kind of burned me up again, going back to my days of this, this can't be right. We got to find a better mechanism. So I did video visits, not because it was cool, not because I wanted to build something inside Epic, but it solved a problem for my patients, right? Which is, um, because again, eight hours, that's a lot of gas money. Those are hotel stays when they didn't have money for hotel stays for a 15 minute appointment. I felt guilty, I felt terrible, right. you know? And and so I did a, the first video visit within Epic because um, I did it for free. Right. I didn't get reimbursed. I didn't do it for any reimbursement. It was the right thing to do for the patient. Right. So anyway, we operationalized that. And I went to, you know, of course, went to Texas um, legislative and, you know, and, and did that journey too on the legislative side to get reimbursement, to get, you know, to say that this is okay. And we won that battle as well. So a lot of neat stuff. So I've been in telemedicine, if you will, you know, for about a decade. And then, you know, Baylor Scott and White, as you know, and I think, you know, you have interactions there as well, you know, really got into the digital space quite early and, you know, kind of hired one of the first chief digital officers in the country with Nick Reddy, who's a great friend of mine. Yeah. Um, maybe after Aaron Martin, you know, that it was kind of Nick, uh, I think, right. you know, and so, you know, Baylor Scott and White's been early to the game on digital. And so, you know, kind of informally became um a go-to to ask clinical questions around digital health. And then that became, you know, kind of formalized um, at the beginning of COVID. Uh, my CMO asked me um, to formalize that role as, you know, they, they saw that journey. And they and, and one of the reasons why they, they also wanted to formalize it, Ed, was um, nothing was getting past pilot, right? So as we still continue that, right. that issue yeah. is that, hey, this is really solving a problem. Why aren't clinicians adopting it? Why aren't patients using it? Well, you know, workflows matter. And so, and getting adoption early and help co-designing, right? All the things that we know. And so, um, so I helped do a lot. And, and, and I call that my second residency, you know? And man, it was, it was fabulous, right? Because it was, there was a healthy budget. There still is, fabulous. Uh, lots and lots of Microsoft kids and Amazonians and Googlers that were there in the shop that were recruited to go fix healthcare that were very passionate, very missionary hearts that I got to sit and I got to learn terms that I had no knowledge of, you know, like CRM and SEO and even KPIs and agile. What does that mean? And right, as doctors who are not, you know, and I was, I was section chief. I was a medical director of the children's hospital. I was on faculty for the medical school, right? I mean, I had, I had done all those accomplishments and I was proud of them, but there was just, you know, there was that I, this was something that I just became really passionate about as transforming healthcare. And so anyway, I just consumed and I just goes back to just, I just love to learn. And I consumed everything. I read all everything. I read your book. I think one of your books was the first one I, you and Patty, you know, wrote that book and yeah. I, wrote, I picked that up very early on, just consumed it really quickly as great frameworks in there. And, you know, every podcast, every article, you know, I continue to do that. And because my, I remember my chairman of pediatrics said to me, and she, she's like, if you're going to get in this space, you got to know it better than 
anyone else, right? It was the best advice yeah. ever because, um, and I just, you know, just went down that rabbit hole when I consumed any piece of nugget of knowledge. I talked to everybody, right? That was part of you. I just reached out and said, Ed, can I just talk to you? I want to learn more about what you're doing. You seem like you know something in the space. And I just started LinkedIn, emails, whatever it may be and said, can you just talk to me about, you know, what you, what, what's real, what's not real, you know? And I, now those relationships today help me tremendously, right? Because I can just call, you know, uh, I, I call her Yoda and I'll throw out her name, Sarah Pletcher, uh, Houston Methodist. She, gets, she doesn't get enough praise. Yeah. And I love Sarah and I call her Yoda because she's just, she's Yoda. I go to her and I say, yeah, I'm, I'm a young Jedi here. And Sarah, does this, what's, what's actually working? You're the old G from Dartmouth and she read telemedicine way back in the day. And, you know, guys like Judd Hollander at Jefferson, right? The people that have been around in the space for a long time in the virtual. And I just ping them and, and say, what's, what, what have you, what, what have you learned from that? And I'm telling you this, this, this um, kind of small world, if you will. And, but there's a, and, and their openness because everybody's passionately wants to transform healthcare and change it. I've not had a shortage of good advice and, and real advice there. So that's one. Now to your question, you asked me about my role. So I did come in with uh, leading digital and virtual health uh, and just digital and virtual health. Um, and, uh, shortly, you know, after we started hitting some economic hurdles and there were some leadership changes. And so I was asked to take on actually really the CMIO roles mine too. So I don't, I think it's obnoxious if I say CDMIO, so I don't, but I do also have that, that kind of the, the accountability of running the clinical workflows and Epic. Um, as well. And then we do, I did mention that IT shop, we did, we do have a blended IT model. So I don't want to overstate my, my informatics, my, sorry, my CIO role per se, but at the end of the day, um, I'm accountable for the whole, you know, IT infrastructure of AHN, which of course includes much more than just the EMR. Yeah. No, that, that's an amazing story. And I loved watching it unfold, you know, as you made that move, because that's a bold move. You move your family, you know, and uh, you take that role. And, and then, you know, there's a fear and trepidation about, you know, OK, you're not the you're, you're uh, you don't know what's going to happen. A lot of moving parts and all of a sudden, but you placed yourself in the right place. You know, there's a tons of leadership stuff, a lot of answers to questions you've already answered. You didn't know it. Uh, certainly our audience would know. It, but, you know, you're you're always learning. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. And I knew that about you already. But you're a learner and you're humble. So you can't learn. If you don't have humility, it's hard to learn, but you're not afraid to pick up phone, talk to people that they may not be MDs or whatever. You don't care. You just want to talk to smart right. people. And, uh, and yeah, and, and you're an active listener and all that kind of stuff. It's just tons of good stuff. And I'm just like going through all our questions. Cause we could spend hours together. Uh, let, let's talk one thing about life. And then uh, one thing about uh, leadership, although it, we've been blending it the entire time we've been talking, which is, cool. Uh, but how do you, you know, and you, you're a father and, you know, you're a husband, a uh, big role. How do you, you know, balance life or stay grounded or integrate life? You know, how do you try to do it? Because everyone asks that question of people, you know, all the time, these high profile individuals like yourself, you know, big job, all that kind of stuff. You know, how do you make it all work? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, well, I'm, you know, it's, it's going to sound like a simple answer. But um, I don't think it's done enough. People say it all the time, but you have to stay present. Uh, you know, it, be, people don't do it. And um, your kids, they know. Don't they, Ed? Like, they know yeah. 
when you're phoning it in, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. My kids are 11 and five. They're really intuitive to that, right? Because they really want to spend time with me, right? When I'm home and they really want to, you know, let's go draw the unicorn and dad, I'm going to put makeup on you, my five-year-old, okay, girl. And, you know, and if you're staring at the phone, you're looking elsewhere, even if your mind is wandering to work, they know. And it's hard. It's hard because I'm a hard worker, Ed. I mean, I don't stop. I'm a 20 hours a day kind of guy. You know what I mean? And, and I love it. And I love it. Um, but I, you know, I, I made the decision long ago. And, you know, um, maybe probably with my childhood and, you know, kind of the relationship I had with my own father, which was different than yours, it seems, which was, um, you know, I don't want to overextend, you know, I don't, I don't know your relationship truly, right? But, but to say that I really, at the end of the day, when I'm on my deathbed, I want to be, the first two things should be good husband, good father, you know, or great husband, great yeah. father. Those are the first two. If I transform healthcare and I change it, all that's going to be wonderful, but it's not going to be worth it to me if those are the first two things that are stated there, right? And so that's just been, I, I know where my priorities are, uh, but it is so easy. And this is the role that has challenged that more than any other role. Even as a physician, a resident, whatever it may be, like I knew exactly, you know, where I want to spend that time. But right, you're right. You know, CEOs call you at three in the morning. You know, you remember and, you know, you're just always on and you're like, okay, I got to do it. And you want to go solve it. And I'm a, I'm a solutions guy. I'm, I'm going to go learn it and then I'm going to go solve it. And so yeah. there's a thousand things to solve every day. And I, mean, I told my wife, I, I could be here until midnight and still not get through all my emails, through my messages, through my work, you know. Um, so one thing I had to change for sure is I wake up at 4.30 every morning. Um, I, you know, you probably do too. I, I, you can't, I can't get, that's my work time. So 4.30, I get on the yeah. Peloton. Right. First thing is I got to like, I, I got to take care of myself. I'm not going to take care of anybody else. If I don't take care of myself, you run. I don't run. I sprint. That was a sprinter. I can't, I'm just not going to go outside and sprint anymore. So uh, I'm getting old and something's going to, something's going to break. Um, so I get my Peloton. I do my, you know, about the AI Peloton. I do that now. I like, that's fun. Um, and then, you know, 515, um, like rushing, getting out there. I really would love to get home, get to work even before that. But I try to get here by 5.30, 5.45. Um, and then that's my time, right? That's my time where I'm sitting in my office and I get my work done, my real work done, because the meeting started at 7 um, right. or 8. And then they're gone. They're, they're all day. And then you kind of have to get to work. So it is really tough. Um, I, every couple of weeks, the, the other message I'll say is I have to prune my calendar because I'm also a yes guy and I want to learn, right? So the learning yeah. thing means I want to go meet with everybody and talk to everybody and want to be involved. I like accountability. I'm very, very into uh, accountability. And so the problem with that is that because I am, if I'm in, tangentially involved in something, I want to put more of my time into it to really make sure that it, um, it, it succeeds and I have to be disciplined. I think I remember, like, I think there was a, I think it was a Apple Steve um, um, quote that was uh, focus. And the, the, the real hard part about focus is saying no to something that you care about, right? And I yeah. think about that often as I really care about it. And I really want to do it. But then, you know, I'm not focused if I say yes to it all. And I really have to sometimes say no, even though it hurts. Um, and yeah. so that's something that I'm still working on.
Yeah, no, that's great leadership stuff. And I, I can relate, oh my gosh, so much to the majority of what you're talking about. Look, we, we've covered a ton of ground and we could, we were just started, you know, we could go forever. Uh, but we do try to keep this uh, digital voices to, you know, if you go out there and run a 5k, yes, you can listen to the entire episode. That's a good so I'm going to leave you, though, with the last word. So is there something we talked about, as you said, you want to go deeper or something I didn't ask uh, that you want to mention? I, I'm going to we're going to close out with you. Yeah, no, I, you know, I'm going to go take the lens of a new up and coming physician leader, healthcare leader, tech leader, anybody. Um, we don't tell our story enough in healthcare. Come to healthcare. Come help us fix it. Uh, it's broken. It is broken. It's broken from accessing it, navigating it. Um, we know that it, not the old dinosaurs aren't just trying to just keep it going. We want to make it better. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of outside voices and talent needed. And I'm really happy to see a lot of disruptors coming in and, and doing that. But we need more talent and also more talent inside the incumbent healthcare systems to help us break it from inside to build, rebuild it the right way. Because the one thing that we have is scale, right? Inside the incumbent healthcare systems, you can impact all patients from an equitable lens and, and really be able to solve for all inside the incumbent healthcare systems. Not every startup or disruptor gets to say that. And so we just want to encourage people to think about this side of the house to be an internal disruptor with me and us. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Ashish, you, you are the, uh, you're one of the leaders of this, uh, I wouldn't want to say next wave because I think the wave has already started, but you're in this current wave that's going to truly take us, you know, my wave, we sort of talked about it, maybe uh, sort of uh, we're spreading the gospel of what needs to happen, going to happen and still doing stuff. But your wave, you're going to make, you are making stuff happen and making it, you know, the realization of a lot of the promises uh, there's a lot more to do, as you mentioned, because uh, there will be successive waves. Uh, but that's how transformation happens. Just, you know, one wave after another, right. just keep pushing. Uh, so you're an awesome person. I'm so glad to reconnect with you. wish we had spent more time when you were in uh, uh, Texas. Uh, I was there last but, weekend. You know, we'll we'll connect. connect. I'll ping you next time. Yep. I know. Ping me next time. We'll we'll go out and uh, have some great uh, Indian food that we Sounds both good. love. So uh, thank you so much. And thank you for listening to Digital Voices. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.